Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The holiday season is upon us with the NFL in full stride, plus the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for all pro and college sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online is info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport from mixed martial arts to international soccer head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Joining us now here on State of State, he is 24-7 sports college football analyst, Smoke Dixon. Smoke, thank you so much for joining us. Penn State is winding down the 2023 regular season, as many know. So naturally, everybody is looking forward to what is going on next. Uh, For those who are not aware of your credentials in the world of football on and off the field, can you walk us through your resume, both past and present? God, dope, man. It's not even that long, but... um... You know what? I'm, I'm going to get real close and, and, and finish it out. I know a little bit about something, and <laughs> I get to a lot. But I've done, I've, I've done the personnel side of things. I've done the director of football operations side of it. I played a little bit. I've coached a little bit. So I've touched about every area that we need to get on in any subject matter. And when Jay King and I get on sometimes, we, we think that we know a little bit more than we do. But at the end of the day, we usually reason it out and figure it out we both know a lot. We're all about reason on State of State. <laughs> Jay King, is Smoke's being humble. It played at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, I'm sitting here being like, I know that he played at Alabama. Like, he just yeah, didn't play it. The crazy thing is, I, I, if I get on and I'm like, yeah, I played DB, there's a better defensive back on this on on, on this on this on this on this interview than I'm on, man. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> right? If, if I say if they if I say I'm smoking, I was fast. There's a dude that ran a four two four one. <laughs> I mean, so I go ahead and just humble myself, put my hat on, and just. Kind of get in the back and, and, and get to it. 
Nah, don't, let, don't let them be too humble, man. Smoke coming from played at Alabama, went to the NFL. Like you said, Coach D1, man. Went to the understand the recruiting process, uh, worked in the NFL and the personnel for the Buffalo right. Bills, understanding that whole thing. Had an opportunity to work with Smoke at, at, the, at the XFL with the DC Defenders. They had that thing rocking, one of the most you know profitable organizations in there by leading with Smoke and then transitioned back to being the general manager of the football operations over at. Um, general manager of personnel over at Maryland football now. So, you know, just a real dynamic individual in the professional space, somebody that I got a lot of respect for just because of the multiple perspectives on the game and discipline. So welcome, my dog. Gerald Smoke that. Dixon. Hey, man. Hey, Jake, Look at that. Hey, Justin hey, opened the segment that Smoke's can, being I, so I humble. Done it any better than that, champ. There well, we go, so listen, man. Smoke, let's start where a lot of Penn State fans are focusing right now. Very recently, Penn State fired its offensive coordinator, Mike Yurcich, after about three seasons with the program. Uh, they currently have co-offensive coordinators. The thought is that there will be a full-time offensive coordinator hired in the very near future. It will be the sixth offensive coordinator under James Franklin during his tenure at Penn State. Whether that person is promoted from within or brought in from the outside, that remains to be seen. Watching this Penn State football team and understanding what James Franklin is all about from an offensive identity and philosophy to how he runs his program, are there names out there, candidates out there that you think would be good fits, or is there just a particular type of person that you believe needs to be installed to provide some real change? Well, I mean, just studying Penn State's offense uh, in the last few years, I mean, I, I've been on I've been on TV calling them the Wingsy offense just because it looks so outdated. Um, I mean, when when you study it and, and coming from the defensive side, coordinating it a little bit, you like to see some movement, uh, some concept that just challenges you vertically and horizontally. Um, understanding the run game doesn't have to be just stagnant and just and just straightforward. It it just it just looks more early 2000 than 2023 you, you you see a lot of innovation in especially in college and the nfl is more a little bit more rigid that you can do it but in college you can use all 100 guys if you have them on saturdays with you and you don't just have to use tight ends and and, and running backs only right and then when you look at it from the personnel standpoint of it you don't see a lot of explosive playmakers, especially on the perimeter, that you can just get the ball and just say, go, create. Because a lot of the times we'd want to say, well, what is the coordinator doing? The coordinator just needs to organize it. And at times when it's getting out of hand and you, you can't control what's going on, you say, okay, you know what? Let me get this drive and let me structure it because I know the importance of this drive. So I got 10 plays that I'm going to call. But in, on the on the flip side of it, they have to do a better job of getting better personnel. Because right now, there's three tiers to me in the Big Ten. There's Michigan and in Ohio State, in whatever order that you want. Then there's Penn State in that tier two. Then there's everybody else. And in order for Penn State to get into that Michigan-Ohio State category, they have to get more dynamic playmakers and also get somebody in there that understand how to get the ball into the playmaker's hand and also babysit the playmakers because a lot of the playmakers got issues. <laughs> and when you got issues, you got to have, I usually say you have to have a lions and lion tamers. 
And my first question when I asked the lion tamer, what do you want, the keys or the whip? If you tell me the keys, I know exactly where you're going to go with this. You want the straight and arrow guys that's going to do exactly what you say when you say it. Sometimes you have to butt the systems like, man, dude, I ain't, like, just give me the ball. That's a I great – that's a great point that you just brought up, man. Just breaking down just the identity of whether it's the offensive coach, you might take the schematics out of it, but like, how do you relate to the players? Like, what can you get out of the players? And that does go into the an aggressive game plan. We talked previously here, whether it's going for two point conversions or going for a fourth down, or just even looking at the NFL, we talk about the 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 quarterback sneak with the Eagles or the right. fourth down conversion for the Detroit Lions. And all those stats that go along with that never account for the personnel that's executing the plays or who even decides to bring those players into their organization. Right. right. When you talk about like talent equals tolerance, right. When you have, you have those different types of guys, when you think of, when you think about those dynamic playmakers and where we're at in the recruiting space, transfer portal, Penn state, finding an offense coordinator, what do you think is the proper profile of an offensive coordinator to bring those intangibles and lion tame type things into the situation where you're having a charisma, a charismatic offensive coordinator that's aggressive and has the players to, I mean, execute well, their offense. Well, I mean, you've been at Penn state and you understand it way better than I do, but in just modern day technology and understanding like modern day player, you can't just say, this is my playbook. And this is the only way you, I'm going to execute it. You have to have enough flexibility within your playbook to say, okay, I have a really fast receiver that's small. My playbook is usually 6'4", 6'3", X receiver. The Z has to be 6'1". Well, you get, now you got Tyreek Hill. Now you have to take your playbook and fit player into your playbook because it's not your playbook and say, oh, player, you have to fit in it. There's, there are way more players than that one playbook that you have. And you have to have some diversity and some, and some willingness to be flexible within your philosophy. And I think that's where guys like Nick Saban and Kirby and Ryan Day have evolved. And you see the same stagnant players and player types at Penn State, right? When, we, when you go back and you look at, let's say Alabama, let's use that. Not because it's my alma mater, but I think he's done a, Phenomenal job of evolving what his players look like. Back when he first came out, it, he wanted to go slug it out football, where he wanted to win games. Speaking of Nick, 17 to 10, 19 to 3. Well, them days are done, right? Johnny Manziel and those guys and, and Lane Kiffin put him on blast by playing hurry up football and tempo ball. Now those 6 4. 350-pound Mount Cody's can't play that much anymore. So I got to go Jonathan Allen, Marcel Darius, Tim Williams, Reuben Foster at linebacker. I got to get a Ninka Fitzpatrick that can play some nickel, some safety, some corner. I have to have players that are positionless in order to play this new age of space play game where offensive coordinators put you in space to make plays. And I'm sorry, the 6'4", 250-pound Big Ten mics aren't going to make those plays anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you get your offensive coordinator, you, he has to understand that space wins, dynamic playmakers win, not your playbook, and just find a way to fit those guys in there. And with those playmakers, there's going to be some issues. 
you're going to come from some background that's rough. You got to have some guys that's in your personnel department and player development department that can relate to them. You might need to get some people with some mental health um, um, issues, but got to get those people in there that can help them with their mental health. The psychiatrist, like mental health is taken. And, 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 I, and I don't say that to knock anybody, but this is the modern day players that we're looking at. And we have to be able to cater to their needs because without them, we don't have jobs. We can't walk around and, and, and give our families those great lifestyles that they want if we don't take on these issues. And with these issues come greatness. I had issues. JK, you had issues. But we all had coaches that put their arms around and say, all right, cool. You know what? Even though you're just one of my players, I'm going to treat you just like you're my son. And Man, they got a, the best out of us. I mean, that is less powerful because like that is a, a missing element. And I think program building, personnel, and just – I mean, longevity of success in college football, having all those different things aligned. So with, I mean, you brought up a good profile for the offensive coordinator, or head, um, office co new offensive coordinator that may be coming to Penn State. With the current personnel that we see at Penn State, I mean, where do you think the receivers fit into that revamping with the offensive coordinator? I know you said more dynamic playmakers, but are there players that you've seen on Penn State's team that can fill those roles? You, you know what, J.K., like Carmelo Taylor, I remember watching him and uh, what's our boy, uh, Marty, uh, was it Marty? Evans. Evans. Yeah. When I evaluated those guys when they're coming out of high school, like, both of those guys were 10-5, 10-4, electric guys with the ball in their hands, mm. right? Now, were they route runners? Absolutely not, right? But in the modern days, like the whole route, running concept is kind of done. Guys aren't coming out routing you up. They running bubbles. I watched Philly play Kansas City last night and for five straight plays, Jalen just got the ball and just threw it out to Perimeter and said, hey, listen, just go. And I do believe that you guys have some playmakers. You don't have a lot because you built it to where what James likes. And we all have to take somewhat of a, a hard like deep dive into your personnel. And that's where I, I think that's where the NFL model works a little bit better than the college because most NFL teams are, are get an outside eye to come in and, and just do a deep dive into the overall personnel department and players to say, what do you have here? And a lot of college teams aren't doing that. They're still going off the old model of saying, well, the coach is going to get the players and like most Coaches stink at evaluating players. Like they're not good. That's why in the NFL that models work because you have personnel department and you have the coaches. Coaches coach, personnel department brings them in, and we all work together and you fix them. But in college, it's still the old, like good old boy network of the coaches are gonna go out and, and, and get the players, but you and I both know. Coaches are the most selfish people. And they are so guarded around their areas that they recruit, the players that are in their room. And most of the time, coaches don't want to take that ownership of saying, you know what, I'm wrong or I was wrong on this player. And that we need a better way to evaluate players. And that's where guys like myself come in, where I have no bones into who's getting recruited Who's getting that two four seven 
um, recruit of the year thumbs up and getting a bonus in his check. So if your player is not the best player, cause, okay, let me get it to you right now. So <laughs> get into it. In the building where you get bad players and no one says anything is when the ego-driven coach wants to get his players in his area recruited or signed. All right, so he finds another coach that's going to buddy up with him, and they go into their little silo, and they get together and say, hey, you know what, let's get Justin King and um, Smoke because, you know, I get this extra 50000 or extra 100000 on my bonus, and I get 247 uh, recruiter of the year. And you get them in your building, and they aren't good. But the guy over there that had the best player that didn't have the big enough voice in the room couldn't get a seat at the table to say, hey, listen, my player is actually better. So you get bumped out. So what happens is you go into a building, you have a bunch of bad players with a bunch of bad coaches, and you get a bunch of bad results, and you lose games. And nobody wants to go in and fix it by saying, let's take a deep dive into our personnel. Is it right? Is it working? Is it currently working for us right now? Do we have enough to beat the top dog? Because if you don't have enough to beat the top dog, to settle. And when you settle, don't fire the coaches. Understand that you're just an eight-win program. Take it. But if you're trying to get to 10, you got to figure out what the 10-win teams are doing and outdo them daily. And I don't know if a lot of people have enough energy to do that with the Georgias, the Bamas, the Ohio State, the Michigans. Regardless of how they're doing it, they're doing it in a way that they're putting pressure on everybody else. Confidence Smoke. and humility in your systems, right? There you go. Smoke, obviously, Penn State plays Michigan State this Friday night. The expectation is Penn State should win that game. It's a bad Michigan State team. So, say Penn State. Listen, here's And a lot of guys transferred out. A lot of guys transferred yeah, here's, out. Here's what firing one-on-one goes with Smoke if I'm sitting in the big boys here. If you lose to a team that does not have a head coach, boy, you should be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, Smoke, my point being is that, you know, let's say Penn State finishes regular season 10-2, and two, bowl game, best case scenario, 11-2. and two. That's still a spectacular season by most definitions in college football. But at this point, the standard has been set within Penn State in years past, and the expectation is that this team will eventually be elite. James Franklin said that himself in 2018. We've been good. We've been great, but we're not elite. So people are waiting. Can, to... I, can I raise my hand real quick? Please do. All right. Let's 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 peel this onion back a little bit. When was the last time Penn State won a national championship? 1986. Yeah, I was six years old. All right. So what's the standard of Penn State football? Since then, it's uh, just overall. Just overall. Yeah. Just overall. Right. So. I, I get that when you're a fan and this is your team, you want them to win and they should win. And, but that's not the case. That hasn't been the case for 20 plus years. So fair enough. It's okay sometimes, like back back in the early 90s, early 2000s, that like you win 10, you get 10. Like we, we like this. We going, we going somewhere where it's hot and there's citrus fruits. Or you're going out west of the Rose Bowl. But the pressure that Nick Saban and Urban Meyer put on a lot of these coaches, now everyone thinks that they should all win. And if they don't win a national championship, it's failure. And it's not. Like Penn State is a success. Like 10 wins successful. James Franklin, is he might quite not be a 
a championship coach. There's only a few of them out there. Right, Jimbo's gone, so you got Kirby, Nick, Dabo, Mac, Brown. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Urban, so Urban, we, 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 I mean, it's a conversation in the barbershop right. when we all sitting like, man, I know they can win. If they, like, what are they doing to change that? So, so that comes back to the point I was driving at smoke is that this offensive coordinator hire is extremely important. The, the concern I think among Penn state fans is, are, is James Franklin going to hire a guy who is just going to run James Franklin's playbook or is James Franklin going to hire somebody who he is going to allow to run their playbook a la the Joe Moorhead era from 2016 to 2017, which happened to be the best offensive coordinator hire ever under James Franklin and the most success this team has had under Franklin. Well, I don't know James that well, but um, studying from afar, most, I'm going to say he's going to get a guy that he can tell what, he can tell that coach what to do. And I'm a, I'm a big component of a thumb pointer, right? I, I like pointing the thumb at myself. And at some point you got to figure out that <laughs> when it's all when it's all said and done, you got to start. Look, why is it jump going off behind me? Apple's I mean, weird. Yeah, they started doing this thing, so right. I'll, I'll cut around all this story. All good. So at some point, you you have to really do an inventory of yourself. And the real good coaches, they have an ego, but they have someone next to them to tell them that listen. What you're doing is not working. The way that you're recruiting, not it. The ways that you've gone on in your interview process to hire your coordinators, not it. Like we all like, I mean, Manny Diaz, they do well when they play against the others. But when they play against the real good ones, man, they get bullied and pushed around. So is that the right hire? You see what I'm saying? So James is going to get somebody that does exactly what James wants to do because James likes to hear James. I'm I'm figuring. If you've gotten six coordinators in how many years? This will be his sixth in 10 years. Yeah, so you rotate them guys in and out of there. So the ones that probably gone against you, you probably pushed out. And the ones that's done exactly what you wanted to do and you couldn't say, you know what? That's a bad hire on me. They've left too. So at some point, maybe James, you need to remove yourself from this decision process and allow someone, a firm, a search firm, someone outside to give you some advice to, hey, here goes five names from a pool that you don't know anything about that we've studied. We understand what can really help your program because we're looking at it from the outside in, not the inside out. Because sometimes when you're looking from inside out, like your vision is skewed because you're looking at this stuff like, yeah, man, we're right there. No, you're not. You're not. Smoke, you we, we over that home. I completely agree. Uh, we, we've talked about how Penn State needs to upgrade its personnel at certain divisions and certainly needs uh, certain positions, excuse me, and certainly needs to get more playmakers on offense. Uh, but a lot of the conversation comes back to five star quarterback Drew Aller. And I'm of the mind that based on the way James Franklin's offense operates, that Drew Aller is not built for that offense. Do what you is agree? Drew built for? 
I, I personally think he's built for more of an offense where he drops back. It's a spread offense. It's a one to two second release. It's a little inside zone run, but like the, the fact that he's doing QB draws and stuff like that and bubble screens, et cetera, when he's got the ability to push the field, they don't do that. See, I would just go on the fence and just say, Drew's not good enough. We need to find somebody that can create more dynamic <laughs> plays, right? Because we, we've seen like Jaden Daniels. Why is, why is he different? Why is J.J. McCarthy different? Because he can extend plays, and when he puts his foot in the ground and gets vertical, he's picking up 10 to 15 chunk yards. The other guy, Jay Daniels, is making explosive plays. So like, the modern-day game has changed to where that pocket quarterback Ain't it because you can put pressure on the defense with your legs. Now, I'm a firm believer in that you have to play the game from the pocket. But you also have these rules that allow you to extend plays, RPOs, like get into that world. They're not in that world yet. They want to go back and play 12 personnel, two tight ends, 13 personnel, three tight ends, and run the ball. And don't – and I, I don't know if they have – the playmakers to challenge people vertically. And I don't, and I've seen Drew. I've, Drew, Drew hasn't put the ball vertically downfield enough to put pressure on anybody. They tried. I've seen the two minute offense. It's sad. But again, that's what Penn State's built, and that's a bed that they got to lay in and sleep in because that's the type of ball that they want to play. Michigan's playing that, but Michigan has. A quarterback that can create plays when needed. Say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered right to your door. Justin, here in Philadelphia, the lines were crazy in the lead up to Thanksgiving at the, at the grocery store. And I am very, very thankful to have this entire circumstance we do with HelloFresh. They've been great partners and to have healthy, inexpensive, and awesome meals shipped right to my door. It takes all the hassle out of the holidays. The one thing I cannot stand is going to the grocery store or here in Pittsburgh, going to the strip district around Thanksgiving. You have to fight for turkeys. You have to fight for stuffing. You have to fight for all your food that you want to prepare. So having this partnership with HelloFresh and having your ingredients and food delivered to your doorstep in a holiday season gives you more time to, uh, gives you more time to cherish your moments with your family and enjoy the holiday weekend. There's no need to fight. There really is no need to fight. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week, so it's easier than ever to find something everyone will enjoy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LionFree and use code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E, -E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash LionFree with code LionFree. That's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E. -E. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. No, so when we talk about the talent acquisition funnel and offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches, they kind of, they, they go through that process somewhat in a silo to where they want to bring a quarterback that fits their offense and things like that. We know Mike Yersich and Drew Aller were kind of married up because that was his guy that he brings in. Now you see what happens. He gets fired. He moves out. Where does that position go? Do we give, do you give full autonomy to the new quarterback coach? I mean, a new offensive coordinator to find a new quarterback or to deal with Drew, or is it kind of you know, Boper Bueller, the backup quarterback who's shown some of the traits that have been successful at Penn State from like a Trace McSorley and just right. those. And, and that's when you guys were nice. Run. When you guys had guys like that. 
<laughs> Mike Rob and all that. It, it's different. Um, so here's the beauty with the whole transfer portal and talent acquisition scale right now that we're in this 2023 landscape. Right. Say you, like, guys that I believe that are, are really good coordinators, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Ryan Day. Um, as much as we like, people want to like bicker about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln gets it done in terms of, of understanding. My guy out there, the head coach in Washington, that you, you have to be able to teach the quarterback position because that's who holds the keys to your success, regardless of how we want to look at it. So the guy that comes in, like, they have to know how to coach, fix, and mentor that position in a whole. And, and it's not like Drew does not have the skill set to play real good college football. He does. But there's only a few guys out there that can understand the quarterback's mind and how to correct that mind and how to get that mind to get unlocked and play untapped potential football. Case in point, you see a guy like Leah Tungavailoa, second all-time in Big Ten passing yard and whatever, when, you, when Dan Enos was there, now they got Josh Gaddis and you have Mike Loxley. When Lox is on that, like it's a different Leah that you see. Playing fast, playing rhythm, getting the ball out of his hand. Enos comes in, confusion. And I don't mean to throw anyone under the bus, but it, it's understanding who your quarterback is and understanding how to get that message to them so they operate in the way that you want to. It's a marriage. And if, if, if the, if the so-called expert or the coordinator does not understand that, then you're always going to have issues because when you get a quarterback and after like two or three years, and I'm going to my coaching box, you have to be able to self-process and self-fix. Like if you throw an interception in the game or make a bad read, the first person that should know it should be the quarterback. It's like, man, listen, I should have went there just because it's been educated. It's like teaching. If you make a mistake, you're like, I know why. And you self-correct. Like Quinn Ewers is the guy that I think that is really good. He self-corrects. So guys like that, teachers of the game, innovators of the game, and relatable to young people because it's so, different than the NFL. So more of a developer than a, than a talent acquirer, per se. At a, this combina point. a combination. A combination would be ideal. Both, right? Yep. Because... Everyone, like Jalen Hurst, no one liked Jalen, but Jalen found the perfect marriage with the person that's in Philly. Right. Right. Trevor Lawrence looked like a garbage. Even take, not to interrupt, but even taking it back to Alabama. Like he had a fit and then, you know, the backup quarterback, and then he had to leave, and then Lincoln Riley found a fit. After, then he found a fit yeah. Him, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Trevor Lawrence looked like a complete dumpster fire when Urban was with him. Right? True. Gets Doug Peterson. Unlocks him. Coaching matters. Just, coaching matters. Coaching matters a thousand percent. But the, the guys that I'm talking, they're teachers. They're not yeah. saying, hey, he's open. Throw it there. No, they're, they're unlocking the formula of success, of operating in chaos, which is the football world that we're in. Right now, you look at Drew play and it's like a robot. One, two, three. He's not, oh, no. And it freezes for a second and he chunks the ball from there. It's not a one, two, three, okay, good. Now I got to get into my extend box. Let me extend because I know that guy's going over here. He's going over here. Let me drop it off to him. 
You don't see a, a, a pro he's intelligent, but you don't see a quick processor right now. You see a robotic kid that's back there just standing there waiting for someone to tell him what to do instead of being or instead of orchestrating the process. Hope I didn't get too long in my No, that, that's a perfect example. I mean, that goes into the type of coaches. It's even through my career, and you can echo this too, Smoke, like how you were coached as a DB, right? If there's a coach that's saying like, hey, watch out for the double move, do this, you play a little softer versus a coach that's like, yo, if you get beat on a curl from the, from the field or this, you come in to sit by me, and that makes you play super aggressive. Right. What type of a coach do you think would fit well with a Drew Aller? Like, I mean – more of a concern, uh, someone that like unlocks them. I know you said a teacher. Are there any candidates out there right now that I align with that that you think can bring him out of his show? Um, I, I know that it, 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 I would go and I would track the guy that's been with Ryan Day. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is a guy that's unlocked quarterbacks. Um. What's my young boy? Uh, what's we? Um, what's Coach White's son's name? He's down at um, Ole Miss right now. Is he? Oh, that, I think it's Junior. Yeah, White Junior. Yeah. Yeah, White Junior is a, is a guy that I think um, that can do it. Um, if I ever had a problem with a quarterback, I send him down straight down to SMU with my guy. Um, is it Red Red um, Ashley? Is that his name? Is that Say the head coach down there? Yeah, I think so. Hold on. Yeah, I think so. Let me see. And, and, and I say this, uh, Coach Brown does a good job. In, in at terms Louisville. Of just, just, yeah, at Louisville. But when he was at Purdue, he did the Rhett same Lashley. thing with Aiden. Rhett Lashley. That's Rhett, Rhett Lashley at SMU. Yep. Right? And, 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 and you see those guys being able to teach the game. Because I spent a lot of time with Pep Hamilton, which I right. think he's one of the like greater minds in – quarterback play. I sit down and I hear Coach Loxley just talk about play calling and understanding who the quarterback is and how to get him comfortable and not make him uncomfortable so they can't perform. So, I mean, there, there there's a bunch of names and, 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 and you see it, but everyone's not going to be able to su survive around a coach that does not allow them to be who they are. So I can throw names out to you, but when they get into the building, if the head coach is not a developer of coaches and men, then they're going to go right back into the shell of calling what he believes the head coach wants. You see what I'm That's, saying? That, that is a great point. Cause like me and me and Sam shout the Sam source thing. Me and Sam used to have arguments about just the identity and personalities of offensive coordinators. Right. Cause I think, I think offensive coordinators are better fit to be NFL head coaches, and I think defensive coordinators are better fit to be no doubt college coaches, head coaches, just in my in the frame. Because when you get offensive coaches, you get one or two guys, right? You get the one that is like heavy schematics, kind of the genius, like I'm drawing stuff up and I'm doing all these different things, and they're extremely confident. I like to right. judge the offensive coordinators based on the charisma because when like everything that you're saying, how you chart a game for a quarterback and what positions you put them in is based on the level of confidence that you have, that you have in the quarterback and how comfortable they feel with you to make mistakes, to even press it down the field or do make like certain type of throws, like right. just that connection. And I said it earlier about like, your coach as a DB is a different type of way. It's always interesting from your perspective. Do you like the more formulaic offensive coordinators that have like, have a 
good balance between their scheme and the X's and O's or just those player coaches that really can connect and almost like that quarterback whisper. Because I think there, there's a difference and we get different outcomes from a lot of guys. Because I think Chip Kelly in his own right is a great offensive guy. And I think um, Lane Kiffin in his own right is a great offensive guy. And their approaches are completely different. Correct. You know, JK, I usually judge coaches by the way that they dress. <laughs> it gets down to the civil stuff, baby. And, 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 and again, it's, it's going to sound crazy, but if you are a, and you don't have to be dapper, but if you're neat, close fit, tucked in, I know that you're a well organized and a detailed individual. If you're coming up, your clothes sloppy, your shirt's unbuckled, you look disheveled, I'm like, man. The same way that he dresses, the same way he's on coach, the same approaches he's going to be with his quarterback and his game plan. I've seen guys not even have a, a call sheet. And I've seen guys just so organized with a call sheet that they understand. Like Eric Bianami, Andy Reid, and all those guys that come from that West Coast tree, bro, they do magic just because of the way that they're taught how to prepare for the game. Probably can't have a conversation with half of them. Outside of football, <laughs> but when it gets into football, you get what you get. So it, it, it's there's some robots that operate in that world, and they can get it because all they want to do is talk ball, 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 ball. And there's some other guys that can truly relate to the player and be like, you know what, we'll go off the cuff. Like Lane is an off the cuff guy, mm-hmm. and Lane will see it. And when you see Lane throw that that playbook up in the air, yeah, that touchdown because he has a feel and a his instincts for play calling instincts, so yeah. well. And there's some guys that do it with analytics, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. But whatever way that you decide that you've been taught or raised on, go with it. But it all comes back to the players. 1,000%. There aren't any great coaches. There are good coaches that look great when they have great players with them. Period. And you gave, a, you gave a great uh, career development for just all the coaches that maybe listen or players that want to transition into coaching. When you get into coaching, you are a professional. So like, like Smoke said, Smoke is one of the guys that when the head coach has a list of positions open, he's the ones that also looks at coaches like I do and those different things of right. per, like suggesting and referring coaches. So like when you're being evaluated, make sure that you're buttoned up, have your clothes like under, under control, not yeah. always wear sweatsuits everywhere. So the convention's coming up in a couple months, fellas. Tighten up when you're walking through the main ballroom because you never know who's actually looking, man. Like, and that's I'm, for players too. People right. are judging I'm, how I'm you're moving. On around. Hunt, JK. I'm, I'm always studying you as a person because everyone wants to say they're great talent evaluators, but I, I, as a head coach, you got to evaluate your entire team. And and I'll and I have another formula. I, I can throw this at you before I even get off. Most Places that have real good success over a period of time, you usually see three to four assistants that within four to five years become head coaches on any good staff. That's happened at Penn State. Right? So when y'all were rolling, y'all had them. Y'all had really – like when when Penn State – and y'all still got really good players. But Eliza was up there. Shout out to Coach Eliza Robinson. Killing Texas A&M, head coach. Bro, I, I don't even know how y'all let that go. He got that's a different story. We don't got he time. Ain't never <laughs> to, like he can't get out my bed. 
Guys like that can't get out my building. He's a unicorn. He can develop it. He can recruit it. He can relate to it. And he has the four guys that you and I both know. If you have one of those that can keep him under control, oh, bro, okay. three coaches on, on that on that staff. And he appointed him as his interim head coach. That tells me a lot about what that AD thinks about Elijah. That regardless of who stepped into that in, into that building and said they're the head coach, I know one guy for sure that ain't going nowhere. And if he does, oh my God, open market. This is this is like my man. Um, like when you had when 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 um, if Aaron Rodgers hit the market when he was coming out. Everybody's running like this. Mm -hmm. He won't be able to walk around the convention if he ever hit the open market. I promise you that. And wow. I would love to be his daggone agent because I know whoever <laughs> asked him, whoever's in, if Ohio State wants him, man, Larry will go close to tackles and he'll close to ends. And he'll be on that daggone staff. He's a beast in that recruiting world, man. And again, his players love him. The reason I came to Penn State, but go ahead, Tom. Smoke. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Penn State quarterback Drew Auer and another player that I think people should be thinking about in terms of his future is running back Nick Singleton, somebody who came in with, I'd say, an equal amount of hype, maybe more Gatorade player of the year, uh, number one overall recruit, number one running back, all these things. And uh, James Franklin has been on the record this week saying that you know, it may not show up on the stat sheet, but he believes that Nick Singleton has actually had a better year than he did last year. Obviously, last year he cracked a thousand yards, had lots of explosives, but he's progressed in ways that the average fan might not see in terms of run blocking, being involved in the passing game, being a better pass catcher. All those things are all well and good, but <clears> I think <throat> the average person, the average person, can look at the tape and say that he's 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 different, or at least that teams have adapted to what he did as a freshman and they are stopping it and he's not acclimated. Do you think Penn State fans should reasonably worry that Drew Aller and or Nick Singleton will transfer out of the program when the portal opens on December 4th? Strong possibility. If I if if I'm if I'm either one of those players, I have to look I got to look at myself and just ask myself Am I, am I getting maxed out? Am I hitting my full potential here? Because you have probably the best offensive lineman in the country at your left tackle position. Oh, Luke Fashano. Oh, yeah, Maryland boy. I know y'all come down and, and get eyes, but it's okay. <laughs> and statistically, he's been down. You're running back. Again, they aren't being developed into the modern-day football player, which is the guy that can protect, run it, but also catch it out in the backfield, a la Saquon. Right. Miles and Saquon are like dynamic players. And you would just like to see the Penn State running backs go away from just the old school, all I'm going to do is just run the ball because my playmaker can't create one-on-one -on -one opportunities for me in the passing game. And when these five stars, players of the year type players are making these choices of going to whatever school and they think, and they believe that they have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Well, in the NFL, we'd like to see a three down back. And I believe 
like both of those guys are NFL type talented players, but just sticking to the running back, when I study him, like he can catch the ball. Like he can pass protect. Like he can do everything that you want a running back to do. And if I'm the head coach and I have to go out there weekly and explain what my players aren't doing, then they're not doing it. You shouldn't have to go through a whole paragraph of saying, well, the average person, well, the average person is watching football. That's who your audience is. They should see your five stars play like five stars, right? Not just one year. Year one should turn into two and it's a building block. So, no, I don't see the development. Last year, I saw some steps between both of them. I'm on record saying I thought they were both getting developed, but that development like stunted this year for me because they, there wasn't an extra layer that was added onto either one of their plates for them to get better at their positions. It's a, it's a very strange time, and then you also look at that smoke from the through the lens of is it okay for Penn State if those guys – are not a part of the program because of the direction that James Franklin wants to take the offense and whomever that offensive coordinator hire is, are those square pegs and round holes, or is it best that they stay because maybe that change will come, that these guys are utilized better, that they're developed. Um, I'm a firm believer in history tells you what's going to happen. I mean, James is James. James has been successful winning nine, 10 games at Penn state recruiting like he has, hiring who he's been hiring, and I don't think that's going to change. He's going to have to prove me wrong. And, again, I don't I don't think you go off and fire James because James has been a good coach. So you're kind of stuck <laughs> being the third-place team, which if you're happy with it, stay with it. If you're not, who else can you afford out there in the world to come in and understand the landscape of Penn State, recruit Penn State, and win at Penn State. Sound like some deep introspection that needs to happen in the program to see like exactly where the, the lumps are when you talk. Because when you said identity piece, you're getting into like personal identity of like who, like the type of players that we're bringing in, the fit that we're going to run with the offense that we're going to run and, and all aligning in. Urban it's Meyer made a place. change at Ohio State and he opened it up. And now you're just seeing receivers after the seat and they just, just rolling them out. Well, and Smoke, you just said oh, Penn State is the third team in the Big Ten, and that, that's right now. But, Justin, next year, in come UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon. So I'll, I'll ask you both, in 2024, where does Penn State land in the Big Ten? Justin? I still say three. I still say I still say three. I think just based on the the way that the defense is still going to come back with a lot of players, even if the offense gets cranked up a little bit, they had enough to just come within one score against the number one and three team in the country. So with that being said, I think they're still built to withstand the Big Ten better than some of those teams out west. I think it's a toss up with Oregon, but definitely USC, UCLA, and UW will still be on top of them. But when the recruiting season comes around and like we're still going after those dynamic playmakers, they're going to invest in those different difference makers that we have to match that level of recruiting and talent acquisition. Yeah. I'm going to say that Penn State's going to start falling back quickly. Just for the, the sheer understanding that like that Nike money is real, JK. It's real. And, and those kids are biting on it and they they're, Acquiring talent at Oregon. At yep. Oregon, 
That's why I said the first year. Like the first year, their whole team has to be like ready. I said as a toss up with Oregon, but moving forward, mm-hmm. that's when it gets real that, tricky. That Oregon recruiting class is righteous. I know, and it. I get that you got to play November and October ball when it's a little bit wet outside, but they play wet ball up there too. They play in inclement weather, so I don't think that adjustment is going to be that big for White, for U Dub, and Oregon. Don't think so. Now those California Dreaming schools is going to be tough. Cause it ain't sunny and pretty outside in up there in um, in Happy Valley. It's really, really gray. The grass is really tall, and it starts. And you're gonna have to get your face bloody. And I don't think I don't think those guys want to do that. Like, thing. but Oregon, I think Oregon can push with Ohio State and and Michigan in the next few years, just because of the talent and the athletes that they'll have on the perimeter and what they can do up front with getting what they usually get in Oregon and the UW. And reloading with the transfer portal. Because like you said, if they need someone to fill in, they'll have the funds to get whatever player they need in there with the, the different exposure. East Coast players, hey, you can see us play half of the season now. It's not in the middle of nowhere. Like the sell from Oregon, you're completely right, is a little like, – that's the one that scares me. If if, if if I was Justin King five years ago um, – 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, five right. years ago. Nah, nah, you still <laughs> 47 years ago. Years ago. <laughs> I, I'm still – like the Big Ten is probably my first, second, and third conference that I want to play in. Absolutely. But the fact is this. Like, branding. I have each market captured East Coast, that Midwest, and that Western – like that West Coast. It helps when you want to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in all markets. You can put me on on any Saturday, and I'm on prime time. And half the games my family can come to because we're going to be on the East Coast. There you go. Mm-hmm. And when you're evaluating the talent in terms of NFL, you've seen inclement weather. You've seen quarterbacks throw when it's cold, wet outside. I don't have to say, you know what? I don't know if he can, because going back when Josh, I don't mean to get off subject, but when Josh got drafted, that was one of the major things in Buffalo. JK, you played up there. Like, mm-hmm. I played up there. It's Baker, Sam, or the other Josh, none of them threw in the cold. So you're going on a big, like, can they? You know what Josh can do. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference. When when you're going into that, if I'm a quarterback, I want to play in all type of weather. That's why I'm saying like those boys down south, they play good ball and because it's hot and it's fun and it's college. But real life evaluation, it's different. I played like when them cats them cats when it got to like 60 degrees, they're like, man, I got to put this coat on. I'm like, dude, man, you got to put some Vaseline on and go out there and thug it up, man. High school recruits, it gave you another tip there. High school quarterbacks, man, make sure when you're looking at these college decisions that you're playing in all weather so you can mm-hmm. don't cap your development and cap your opportunity development. and, 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 and your, your, your ability to play in where some people think it's fast and fun in terms of open spaces in the pack because those guys are coming now to the east. Like, there's gonna be there's gonna have to be some adjustment on both parts because everyone thinks that. The Oregon and UW and UCLA and um, USC, they have to adjust. Well, those Big Ten schools also have to adjust to playing in open space, getting stretched vertically and horizontally, and playing more speedball. Because that's what Maryland's advantage has been when Lockheed's been back up there. That's what Ryan Day does a pretty good job of. 
of switching it up. When um, Brown was out there in um, Purdue, like he opened it up. Wisconsin, not the same old Wisconsin anymore. They're going to give you issues because they're going to be able to have some big guys that can that can lather you up, but also coaches out there recruiting some skilled players that can get on the perimeter and test you out there as well too. So, I mean, it, it's going to push everybody forward and make everybody get better at what they're doing. It's going to be interesting in the Big in, in the Big Ten moving forward for everybody financially and um and coaching wise. Smoke, we uh, we could do this for hours on end, sincerely. I, I love talking to you. This has been so informative. We really appreciate your time. Uh, if you're looking for Smoke, again, 24-7 sports and beyond, find him on social media. It's great content, great insight on college football. Smoke, we appreciate your insight on Penn State football, especially ahead of the Michigan State game, and uh, we'll see how things play out here at the end who of the year. Who y'all got that game, though? What, Penn State, Michigan State? Yeah. The but, real, the only real rival game that really matters. I know. I know oh yeah, the ugliest game. trophy. Ryan Grant, baby. Keep going. LG. Yeah. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at the king one and at tom hannafin state of state is presented by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube